take a seat either in a chair or cross-legged on a cushion and gradually become aware of the sensations of sitting. Feelings of pressure in your back or legs. Feel your arms at your side. And perhaps take a few deep breaths and allow gravity to settle you into your seat. Welcome to Elite Medical School Podcast. <laughs> I'm, feeling very, I'm feeling very centered, yeah. Yeah, I, I needed that. I, I've been up since 5 a.m. I just hacked a delicious cigarette, and I'm fired up to talk about acne. Yeah, well, I'm, yeah, I'm sort of opening my, my skin chakra right now. Nice. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling radiating. Okay, well, I'm, yeah, there's a lot of positive energy in the room right now. Um, so why don't we talk a little bit about acne? Uh, again, a very common affliction and one that should not be minimized. See, it's like, oh, is this a medical issue? Sometimes they think I eat too many chocolate bars. That's a 1990s public health uh advertisement reference you probably don't get it listener um but okay. the, the point is is that there's a there's a lot of self-worth and self-image obviously wrapped up in skin and uh people would really prioritize effective acne treatment uh and it can come up on exams as well so i think it's a useful uh straightforward uh topic to review quickly if not for your patients, then from for yourself. Some of you med students, my goodness, just atrocious pizza faces. So uh, take a take a take a moment, listen up, and consider uh, self care as well. So um, acne, uh, highly uh, prevalent. Uh, most uh, people will encounter uh, frustra frustrating acne lesions at some sometime in their their life. Uh, usually beginning at puberty, um, uh, but can continue uh, into early adulthood or later. Um, the, in terms of a distribution, you, got, you, know, you guys are aware, it can, it can really affect uh, any, uh, any area of the body, but face, uh, chest, back uh, are uh, predominant. Um, in terms of uh, uh, risk factors uh, or contributing factors, uh, family history is, is really important. Um, so that will be uh, one of the primary uh, risk factors, uh, obviously not uh, intervenable. So other important considerations include hormones. Any hormones or endocrine syndromes that might predispose to acne development? So. Uh, anything that increases androgens, uh, so like PCOS, uh, any sort of tumors on the adrenal gland or ovaries, uh, uh, exogenous androgens. I knew this one meathead who uh, told me that the worst thing about uh, doing steroids to get jacked was all of the bacne. Uh, so on one hand, he got more jacked, and on the other hand, it was too painful to bench press. Uh, because of just all those, holy shit! All those nasty, nasty pimples all over his back. 
That's wild. So yeah, literally, bro. it was so bad that he couldn't bench press. Holy <laughs> shit. Look, barely lie down and sleep. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So input, but important. I mean, I can't say I've I've ever seen it. Not that I recall. Um, as a uh, uh, androgenism uh, or virilization uh, to be uh, contrasted with, uh, or I should say, to be uh, uh, distinguished from um, hirsutism, which is just hairiness. So virilization or androgenism as a first presentation of, for example, an androgen producing uh, tumor, like you said, adrenal gland and uh, ovarian would be the most common uh, or other uh, antigen predisposing syndrome, most commonly PCOS. So PCOS can manifest with acne. And in fact, uh, clinical virilization is one of the diagnostic uh, criteria. Interestingly, Cushing's can predispose to acne as well. I don't know if that's cortisol mediated or um, uh, androgen mediated. As I recall, androgens aren't necessarily in, uh, elevated in Cushing syndrome, but uh, anyhow, I think it's uh, you're still going to get increased in androgens because of the okay. like enzyme pathways. Like I think it's primarily cortisol, but I think you also get some androgens if I remember correctly. Okay, makes sense. I mean, they those uh, steroids are all closely related. Um. Any sort of mechanical uh, uh, traumas, so people, for example, that use really aggressive uh, exfoliants can worsen or cause their acne. Uh, drugs um, such as uh, lithium and dilantin. So those are two common uh, causes of, of acne, and I, I've seen uh, dilantin-induced uh, acne more than once. Bromides is an interesting one. Bromides, ah, fuck, excuse my language. I'm trying to think of uh, bromide medication. Um, there's inhalers that have uh, bromides in them, but anyhow, it's it's uh, escaping me. Of course, anabolic steroid um, and uh, corticosteroids can do that as well. Okay, so that's actually a good point. Obviously, um, corticosteroids can downstream be converted into androgens as um, uh, as my colleague is suggesting here. Any other important risk factors that we might consider? I mean, men are more predisposed to acne, obviously, uh, but you'll see a, preponder a preponderance of women seeking treatment. Um, uh, what else? Psychologic I mean stress is... Uh... <clears throat> Mm -hmm. one link factor there's definitely have been some studies with an association between the two of um kind of purely psychological stress as an exacerbating factor I insulin resistance is another one to mention because oh, of interesting. Uh, uh, uh increased androgen production with uh igf1 huh that's interesting yeah uh, then did we talk about just like also topical agents like oily essentially anything that would block the uh like follicular openings mm -hmm. like yeah. any kind of like tarry oily like ointments that you just keep pasted on your skin all the time yeah. to prevent secretion and build up yeah and so cosmetics you know so-called comedogenic uh, cosmetics so comedone is a, a blackhead um but comedo uh 
cosmetics will will predispose like you say anything that would block um uh sebaceous gland and very briefly in terms of the pathophysiology so we all create this sort of sebum uh, that can get stuck in a pile of sebaceous Ew, gland. <laughs> yeah you do dude you're you're greasy greasy <laughs> um that uh then gets oxidized uh and eaten up by uh bacteria including bacteria like p acnes and um uh, it's thought that uh there's probably a you know an autoimmune uh inflammatory component um to this acne colonization that triggers these lesions yeah um yeah. I, I would say there's probably four main components like there's the infection with the p acnes which is a normal component of skin flora there's the uh the sebum production uh the follicular hyperproliferation so basically many skin cells are being produced and then and then inflammation um uh, is is the result of either uh follicular rupture <clears throat> uh or an immune response to uh p acnes which which transitions the non-inflammatory lesions like the open and closed comedones to the inflammatory lesions. Uh, I just right. think it's important to emphasize those four four main components, the P. acnes, the follicular hyperproliferation, uh, excess sebum production, and inflammation. That's really the recipe to, um, to acne. Right. And that's yeah. useful, too, to highlight because it's, it relates to treatment modalities. Did you also have a etiology. Yeah. Like if you yeah. think about it, uh, you know, like excessive cleaning of your face, yeah, it's going to cause like hyperkeratinization. Uh, um, and then, you know, any kind of like we mentioned emotional stress, any kind of, uh, you know, cortisol or androgen um, increased production, all of those are going to increase sebum production. So androgens in general just promote sebum in, uh, production. So if you just think about those kind of four things that Dr. K mentioned, uh, it really gives you a good idea of like exacerbating or like the etiologies of it as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So patient uh, calls you, uh, you're at home, you've, you're in your, your house coat, you don't have your pants on yet uh, because you, you're a telemedicine doc and you're, literally phoning it in most days and you start with your first patient and they're like oh, i got some like pustules on my face give me something and you only have five minutes for your appointment so you just want to get this done um what differential might you consider for a, a patient presenting with um pustules uh or acne form uh lesions on face uh I mean, acne is up there. Uh, yeah, acne vulgaris. <laughs> and I guess there's different types, so, but it's yeah. a little bit beyond the scope. But the, it's, I forget what the name is. There's like a brutal acne where you can actually cause like significant ESR, CRP elevations. There can be skeletal deformities. Yeah. Is acne fulminans? Is that the one? Yeah, fulminans. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, basically it's this acute eruption of these large inflammatory nodules and ulcers. Um, but it's, uh, and usually there's a pre-existing acne vulgaris diagnosis, um, uh, but something can trigger this reaction, uh, 
and uh, sometimes it can actually be uh, isotretinoin. Uh, so mm, one of the medications used to treat acne can uh, people some people just have this reaction where it it just <laughs> gets horribly horribly worse and that they have systemic symptoms and wow. fatigue and all that. No. Yeah. So that's good to know yeah. that. Um, huh. Interesting. So other things that can present like that, I mean, commonly um, rosacea. Um, rosacea can be distinguished because it tends to be more of the central face that is sort of uh, the T-zone. Um, it, uh, it can have um, telangiectasia associated with these little pustules. But I, I would comment the most useful uh, history from patient is, is flushing. So I would say that the majority of patients with rosacea will describe skin flushing with different triggers, whether it's foods, caffeine, sun exposure, uh, temperature change. Um, so that can be uh, quite useful diagnostically. Uh, and as you see more and more, uh, you can distinguish the two grossly as well. Uh, but um, the flushing is not going to be seen in acne vulgaris. Here yeah. older. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, it, just something uh, totally different to consider it might be acne excoriae, where uh, people that are chronically picking at their skin uh, can have these kind of open, uh, open sores. Um, more common in uh, young females, anxious young females, or uh, drug users. You know, picking at their skin can result in scarring and ulceration and kind of like concavity to the skin as well. Right. Oh, sorry to just add a minor point to rosacea in older folks, like typically in sort of fourth decade and, and beyond. Um, uh, the, uh, the real chronic rosacea can result in, in rhinophyma. That is a, um, you know, a bulbous deformity of, of nose. And that's where, the telangiectasia become more prominent. Um, so, uh, you know, the, uh, obviously you're, 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 you're going to be suspicious about rosacea in those patients, but in the younger people that have rosacea, it is a really important, uh, differential. Mm -hmm. Um, perioral dermatitis also seen fairly frequently. Um, uh, so it looks, perioral dermatitis looks like acne. Um, it usually doesn't have uh, the same sort of uh, comedones, uh, open uh, comedones, blackheads associated with it. Uh, and then, of course, it's, it's really around the mouth. Uh, so that's your big clue. Um, it, it, it's treated best with topical antibiotic like metronidazole. Um, and one very common trigger is uh, topical steroid. So that could take, uh, clue, uh, clue you into that diagnosis. But uh, again, the, uh, the distinguishing feature is that it tends to be right around the mouth and there tends not to be a lot of associated blackheads. Um, Must be quite a bit of that right now with uh, masks. Oh yeah. Fuck. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's like the second pandemic. My goodness. Yeah, geez. <laughs> yeah. Um, the anti-maskers had a point. Yeah. <laughs> Is it really worth it? The disfigurement of perioral dermatitis? 
Dude, I'm anxious because of the masks. <laughs> Have we considered the externalities? Um, yeah. So, yeah, definitely seeing a lot of that tends to improve with um, uh, topical antibiotics, a lot of which is expensive. By the way, topical clindamycin, we're going to get into treatments a little bit more, but clindamycin is cheap, whereas a lot of the other topical antibiotics uh, are expensive, including flagell. Mm. Um. <laughs> Yeah, anything else you guys want to highlight there? Like follicular, like non-acne folliculitis, um, you know, like a strep or a staph folliculitis uh, will look a little bit different, obviously, mm-hmm. on the differential as well. Anything else you want to highlight there? Yeah, I mean, you know, probably less likely, but I suppose like impetigo. Yeah, varicella, zosters, you're going to have more like diffuse with that Um, or even like herpes zoster as well. Yeah, for sure. Especially if pustules, yeah, vesicles. Absolutely. So classifying things uh, a little bit further, we spoke about uh, fulminans. The useful uh, classification, frankly, is, is common versus cystic. Um, so cystic, uh, you know, as self, self-descriptive, um, that is there, there tends to be in addition to a pustule and underlying, uh, cyst, uh, uh, or basically micro abscess that can form, which is very prone to scarring. So folks with cystic acne and you, you can Google that and recognize it, but it tends to be these, you know, inflammatory micro abscesses that have sort of a purple, uh, discoloration to them, yeah, I think that may be ringing a bell as I describe it, uh, can uh, indicate different first-line options that we'll discuss. What is this acne conglobata? Never heard of it. Uh, multi-lobular uh, inflammatory scarforming cysts. So that's uh, evidently a, a different classification. And then fulminans, as we discussed. Yeah, so... Uh, do we want to move on to sort of uh, management? Is there anything else we want to highlight in terms of uh, description there? Or hmm. I, I guess with the cystic, uh, at that point, I think it's safe to say that the acne would be considered more severe. Uh, and uh, that's that the presence of those cysts is going to uh, guide our, our treatment as well. So, right. Uh, yeah something to watch out for as opposed to like the more mild uh acne where you know might you might see some comedomes um so there's going to be a bit of a spectrum in terms of our our treatment options based on severity right awesome so um in terms of you know early uh interventions um lifestyle interventions um identifying any comedogenic products whether it's moisturizers, uh, makeup removers, um, uh, exfoliants, cosmetics, sunscreens. These are all important considerations. Uh, considering um, uh, non-irritating, uh, non-irritating cleansing products, so choosing perhaps hypoallergenic soaps over uh, scented uh, options or irritating irritating options. There are non um, non detergent 
uh, astringents or cleansers such as Spectrogel is the popular one, which can be helpful uh, from that uh, perspective. Other lifestyle features here is, uh, of course, shaving can be a, a big predisposing uh, risk. Uh, so con considering uh, a, a trimmer as opposed to a razor shave may be, um, may be preferred. Or in women, uh, some women would choose, for example, waxing, lasering, uh, different options. Uh, you, you, you may want to comment there, uh, Dr. W, given, that, given your experience uh, about hair removal. Um, but the blade is, is a risk factor for uh, acne, definitely. Yeah, I just, uh, just don't shave any part of my body. Nasty. <laughs> Yeah, but doctor, uh, I, I, you know, I need to pop my pimples. This is unacceptable. I don't want all these nasty ass pimples leaking out all over the place. I need to pop them. I love to bust them out and splatter the uh, bathroom mirror. I need to do that. And there's nothing you're going to do that's going to stop me. I would discourage it, to uh, be honest. Oh, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> likely you'll make things worse. Um, by doing that, so yeah, and not to mention the risk of scarring as well as well. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. What about diet? Uh, Is diet going to fix this? I'm I'm doing a juice cleanse. The juice cleanse probably won't help. Uh, probably won't help. I don't know that there's been randomized data. Um, it seems like chocolates because some people think I eat too many chocolate bars. Um, chocolate is not a likely cause of acne. And in fact, um, dietary causes of acne are probably not primary. Um, but I, I think there's still a, a few question marks there, to be honest. But uh, yes, thing, you know, for example, chocolate is probably not a, a cause of acne, uh, for example. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of debate, no matter what, about the link between diet and inflammation. Mm -hmm. And there's no, I don't think there's a randomized control trial for something like this. Um, right. I think, I think anecdotally, a lot of people say milk. You know, if you have any sort of dairy sensitivity, then mm -hmm. sure, maybe. But uh, you know, talk to your nutritional counselor. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, talk to you. Uh, yeah, so we defer to your local nutritional counselor. Yeah, uh, nutritional expert. Um, when it comes to to that, uh, other uh, other features, uh, um, we we want to avoid um, chemical peels, microdermabrasion. There's no there, so that has been investigated, and there's no evidence that that's an effective way of, of treating uh, acne. There's some weak evidence for tea tree oil, which probably speaks to the anti-inflammatory effect of uh, that uh, topical option. But uh, again, probably not uh, as useful as the first line agents that we'll discuss next. So uh, how, would you, how would you guys start uh, your patient who presents with mild acne? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's like 
topical therapies would probably be the first line for some kind of like mild acne. There's uh, like over-the-counter versus some prescriptions. Uh, we've already touched on a few of them, but there's uh, like benzoyl peroxide. Um, salicylic acid is another, both over-the-counter. And then we talked about the topical like clindamycin, erythromycin, and then the like retinoids or other prescription ones. Yeah, for sure. So there, there, there is, a, you know, I would comment like a very stepwise approach to acne treatment. Like you said, benzoyl peroxide is your, your first line uh, option available over the counter. Uh, by prescription, you can get a, a higher percent that is a 5%. Uh, benzoyl peroxide acts by uh, drying out the skin effectively and decreasing uh, sebum uh, production. Uh, and it is a, a, a foundation in a lot of uh, topicals. That is, uh, topicals will often be compounded with benzoyl peroxide. So lots of, of evidence there. Uh, caution your patients that it can stain linens. Uh, that is uh, bleach linens, I should say. Um, and that it's very drying. Some patients don't tolerate it. So you might consider counseling them to try the benzoyl peroxide on a small patch of skin uh, before applying it more uh, diffusely. Um, in terms of next options for, for topicals, really there's the, the choice between topical um, uh, benzoyl peroxide compounded with antibiotic or um, retinoid. Uh, typically it's uh, adapalene that's, that's used. Personally, I use a product called the TAC2 pump. I'm not being paid yet. I'll be speaking with uh, uh, my promoter uh, about that. But anyhow, so TAC2 pump is a useful uh, combination, like I say, of benzoyl peroxide and adapalene. Uh, I, I, it may be branded differently where you're listening, um, but it, uh, it produces like a, a nice foam uh, that they can apply to affected area. There is no absolute contraindication for uh, adapt for topical retinoid other than hypersensitivity. Would I start it in a pregnant patient? I don't know. Probably not. That's probably not rational. Um, I, I, I think that the systemic absorption is so scant. Um, but just be aware that, uh, generally speaking, there's no absolute contraindication. However, systemic retinoids are highly teratogenic. The, the antibiotic compound, as we spoke about, it tends to be clindamycin. So there's something called clindoxyl, uh, which is a combination of the benzoyl peroxide and clindamycin. And uh, I mean, anecdotally, I would say that it's less effective than is uh, the TAC2 pump uh, as a first line. I don't know that they've been studied head to head, but for folks that want to avoid uh, retinoids, uh, that's an option. There's something called uh, Bianca, and I'll stop my rant in a moment. Uh, uh, Biacna, which is a uh, tretinoin, which is even stronger than is the adapalene, uh, which is a topical. I don't use it because uh, anecdotally patients just find that it's too drying uh, and they don't tolerate it well. So I, I, I must say that that TAC2 pump is a go-to. I prescribe it all the time, and it's fantastic, and patients do really, really well on it. So um, uh, I think it's a, a great medication. Very nice. 
So I, I guess to, you know, no matter the severity of the acne, you can uh, start a topical retinoid and uh, benzoyl peroxide. Um, and uh, you can kind of add uh, your antibiotic options onto that based on the severity as well. Um, if my understanding is correct there. Yeah, exactly. So a patient comes back, they're frustrated, they're not responding well to the topical. In women, the next step is OCP. Mm. There are there are two um, that uh, that are um, that have great A evidence that is high quality evidence. And again, forgive us if there's branding differences where you're listening locally. But Diane thirty five, I believe that's North American. Uh, so that's the high dose thirty five milligram of uh, of uh, the estrogen. Uh, and then uh, Aless, which is also branded as uh, Alicinia. Um, so it is relevant, okay, guys, uh, which OCP you use because there are OCPs with, with comedogenic progesterones. So don't just throw them on any old OCP. Uh, do a little bit of reading. But the, the first uh, line options are Diane 35, which is a high-dose estrogen. Uh, so not the best uh, in your, uh, your clot risk, uh, clot, clot prone patients, and then allicinia, uh, also known as LS. And then what, what about, uh, oral antibiotic options and what's, what might be the indication for that? Uh, I mean, I think the ones I think of and maybe is like tetracycline, doxycycline. Yeah. Those are the two that I would most commonly use. And I believe they have the, the best evidence. Um, so doxycycline is easy. Um, it's, uh, it's effective and, and easy, like I say, um, uh, there, just be aware of the risk of a photosensitivity rash. So, um, counsel patients regarding that, but it's very well tolerated. Typically you would do a three month course. Um, and oftentimes that benefit will persist for a further, a further three months. So, um, you, you know, you can rotate Q six months and typically I rotate between, um, tetracycline, doxycycline and minocycline, uh, if they want, uh, the, the tetracycline is a little more likely to cause, uh, stomach upset. The doxycycline I would comment is the, the least, uh, likely. Um, so the, I, I start with doxycycline. It's very, very well tolerated. It's just this photosensitivity rash that uh, some patients can be predisposed to. And you can consider starting with oral antibiotic for folks with cyst cystic acne. Okay. So if they're presenting with microabscessed acne, it can be useful to start with an oral antibiotic in addition to your topical uh, options. Um, yeah. And minocycline and erythromycin are other options. Erythromycin I would almost never use because it causes the shits. So then they would have other problems. Um, yeah. Any, what's our last line agent? Uh, it's going to be the isotretinoin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Accutane. So Accutane. Accutane. Don't be scared. I mean, like, I don't know why. I think it's if any, it's fucking like the, the uh, derm lobby that uh, discourages uh, primary care providers from 
uh, Accutane, like really there's, this is not one of the riskier drugs that we prescribe day to day. Um, so we'll, I'll be very brief. There, there is a, uh, there's, you know, useful, um, reviews of how to prescribe this, but essentially it's weight-based, um, cumulative dosing. And that dose will be administered over usually about six months, uh, per round and patients can have multiple rounds, but likewise benefit may persist on the order of a further six months or even longer. Okay, so that again, that weight based uh, dose is divided daily or twice daily um, over a uh, over over months. Okay, um, the the really relevant feature there is that uh, they need regular pregnancy testing uh, prior to and during treatment. Uh, two forms of contraception, uh, including barrier. Uh, and uh, other things such as OCP or IUD, um, and then monitoring, periodic monitoring of blood counts, LFTs, and lipids. Um, usually I do every three months, but uh, maybe more frequently when you initiate it. It's very algorithmic. There's nothing particularly comment, uh, complicated. If, the, if their LFTs start to muck around a bit, Maybe it's not a great option for them. And then evidently watch for acne, fulminans, as was uh, poignantly uh, noted by uh, Dr. K. Uh, but Accutane is extremely effective. In terms of side effect, just let patients know, like, this dries everything out. You know, dry you right out. Dry <laughs> you out. So you'll be as, as dry as uh, Dr. W's uh, significant other uh, by time. Uh, it's effective. Fuck you. <laughs> Rat bastard. So, uh, it's uh yeah, it's a very, and it, it dries, it can dry mucosal membranes as well. So people can even get things like uh, nosebleeds and stuff like that. So that's why, you know, the topical option is better. Uh, I, I should point out that it dries hair. So patients can start com complaining of dry uh, hair as well. Um, obviously that can be, treated with things like moisturizing conditioners. Um, and then um, uh, counsel patients that they'll perceive that their skin is getting worse because their skin is drying out for a couple of weeks. Same things with topical retinoids. Um, and it does take some time for the effectiveness to, um, uh, for the acne to improve. So they have to grin and bear it for a couple of weeks. Uh, but by sort of week three, they should find that their skin is improving as well. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Accutane also has that reputation for uh, depression and suicidal ideation. Um, but I looked this up in advance. There was a meta-analysis done a few years ago that basically does not appear to be associated with depression. Um, you know, most likely it's to do with the uh, psychosocial implications of uh, having acne, uh, the depression, the low self-esteem, and then the anxiety of, um, you know, somebody that would require uh, something as strong as uh, Accutane, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's like the acne itself is what predisposed to suicide. Yeah. Not to mention it's like, Teenagers, young adults, uh, they're they're worried about their haircut and their skin. Nice. 
I think we did a good job, guys. I'm, uh, I'm sort of, I'm feeling pleased. I might uh, indulge by, with some pimple popping after this. <laughs> it is like it is a bit of a sweet release. I kind of it's it's sort of like cutting for me, you know. Like, <laughs> I, it's just like, oh uh, yeah. yeah. I try to hide pimples. it. Yeah, when I'm popping pimples, I try to hide it from people. It is, it's <laughs> is sort of my guilty pleasure. Is that why you only pop your pearly penile papules? Very <laughs> discreet. Yeah, just hide it under your foreskin after. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Nice. All right. Let's call it. Yeah, that was sick. Peace.